Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you are joining me today for another interview and conversation to help you up your game in talent development, which is our mission and what we are all about. And I think this one is a good one, especially for those of you who are working in the tech space or are interested in getting into tech, or if you're interested in learning more about the blockchain and NFT world that I am so fascinated by. But even if you're not, that's okay. I am joined today by Kiana Davari, who is the head of people for a company called So Rare, which is a global online fantasy football game leveraging NFTs and blockchain technology. And they are a startup with uh, only about 30 employees right now based out of Paris, but they are growing fast. And at SoRare, Kiana is charged with growing the team in Europe and the U.S. to strengthen their position as the dominant global player in the NFT space. Prior to joining SoRare, Kiana was the director of Rideshare International Talent at Lyft, and she was also the company's first recruiter back in 2013. And in this interview, we start off by talking about blockchain technology and NFTs, what that is, what it means, why Kiana's excited about it right now, why I'm excited about it right now. Uh, and then going back to Kiana's career and coming up in Lyft and some of the lessons she learned from scaling that business from double digits to 5,000 people going public and everything else that she experienced and then why she decided to make the move from this big tech company like Lyft over to a small emerging startup like So Rare over in Paris, how they're thinking about talent development and people development, recruiting and retaining the right talent in this crazy marketplace, this quote unquote war for talent that we are living and working in right now. We also talk about how women are breaking barriers in the tech space and Kiana's advice for women in the space, and then how Kiana's getting involved in the company, in the community, 
and kind of leading the charge for this emerging startup. And we also have a bonus Q&A session coming out for you in a couple of days where Kiana is going to share more from her career as well. So this is a good one. I was excited to have this conversation because I have been so I was excited to have this conversation because I've been diving so much into cryptocurrency, blockchain, and NFTs, and we could do a whole another episode about that and why I think that's important, even in the corporate world and learning and development world. Maybe I'll do a little bonus episode on that. But I wanted to talk to Kiana because she's moved over to this space and see what is going on there and, of course, the approach to people development. Before we get into the interview, I want to remind you that this podcast is sponsored by the Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Of course, the Talent Development Think Tank is the number one place to go to learn, share, grow along with others in the talent development world. We've been running our community for well over a year now. People absolutely love it. We have a call every Wednesday. We'd love for you to check it out and come join us if you are not a member already. Our website, of course, is tdtt.us, as in Talent Development Think Tank, tdtt.us podcast is also sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is a professional services firm dedicated to providing a continuous stream of creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. And they do that via all kinds of different interactive experiential learning programs. You could find out more by going to their website, advantageperformance.com. All right, without any further ado now, let me take you to my conversation with Kiana Davari, who is the head of people for SoRare. All right, I am joined now by Kiana Davari. Kiana is the head of people at So Rare, which is a global online fantasy football game leveraging NFTs and blockchain technology. Kiana has been in this space for a few months now, growing the team in Europe and the US to strengthen their position as the dominant global player in the NFT sporting space. And prior to joining So Rare, Kiana was director of Rideshare International Talent at Lyft. And she was also the company's first recruiter in 2013. Kiana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Andy. And I'm really excited to be here. And, and thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on as well for multiple reasons. Obviously, we're going to dig in and talk about your career. We're going to talk about talent development. We're going to talk about scaling up in the tech space. But I'm also an enthusiast and passionate about blockchain technology and non-fungible tokens, NFTs. I've invested a lot in NFTs this year. So I was excited to talk to you and hear about some of the things going on in that kind of NFT world. I think you're the first person we've had on the show who, who comes from the blockchain world, which is something that I think is, is kind of taking the world by storm. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty biased, but I think it's a really exciting space right now. And I think a lot of innovation and kind of where the future of things are going, you know, really lie in that technology. So it was definitely, as I was cho choosing where to, to land on my own after my career at Lyft, I think this was definitely something um, I was looking for was to be in that kind of a really exciting space. Yeah. We're, we're going to focus, uh, as, before we get into the, the people side of things, maybe we could start for people that have no idea what any of that means. What is exciting about blockchain technology and non-fungible tokens? And, and I'm curious, how do you explain to people that have no idea what you're doing, what is an NFT? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I kind of refer to it as the, the way I describe it to my mom kind of definition, but basically an NFT or a non-fungible token, they're digital assets that link ownership of unique items such as art, sports collectibles, 
any sort of really media or content. Yeah. And they have been around since 2017, but really gained in popularity this year. And it's a form of really digital ownership, right? So we, we are all very familiar with how to own something in the real world, but this is how you can own something in the digital world. And as a result of that kind of NFT boom, businesses, athletes, celebrities, really anyone and everyone have been launching different NFTs, NFT platforms, but we believe our space is, at Sorare is unique because it's bringing utility to those collectibles, which is kind of the forefront of where a lot of this is going. Yeah. And what's really cool about what's going on now and leveraging blockchain technology is that you have provable ownership of digital assets, right? So everything is recorded on the blockchain, which is basically a collection of thousands or millions of computers around the world to agree on transactions. So when I'm sure you get that age old question many times, well, how do you know you own this picture? Can't I just right click and save it? But we know who owns the actual digital art or whatever it may be because it is recorded on the blockchain. Exactly. So it's just, it's, you can think of it like a digital ledger of, you know, all sorts of transactions and ownership and all of this. And it's definitely, um, I get why it's a complicated topic for people to wrap their heads around. And I think that's why I'm so excited about Sorare and what it's doing because at its, at its core, it's just a sports experience that lets fan own a piece of real world games. And I think that's when you start to see adoption, right? Is when something is so simple, like I, I liken it to driving a car, right? When of, of course the, the technology that goes into a car is complex and, and complicated, but when you're driving, you don't really think about that. You're just thinking about the simple act of driving. Right. And that's why I think um, putting together, you know, companies like ours that make it a really, really simple experience for users. It's just, it's, you know, owning a real world, uh, you know, a piece of this game that's when we're going to see that level of adoption. Right. You don't have to understand everything that's going on under the hood, right? Just like you don't have to understand everything that's going on on the internet, right? You just push the button. Exactly. Or turn the key. It just works, right? It just like, works. You just trust that it works. And speaking of, of driving cars, I want to take a step back in your career. And I think it's interesting that, you know, right now we're talking about blockchain technology. Many people are referring to this as Web3. Part of the kind of the big movement and trend and things that changed the world with Web2 around social media and everything else were apps that came out like Uber and, and Lyft that, that kind of changed the way we go out and get rides or find other utility. And so you started your, your tech career, I believe, in at Lyft as the first recruiter. So if you take me back there and, and tell me a little bit more about your career and what was that like? Yeah, it was pretty wild. I, I was actually working at Facebook at the time and, you know, wasn't really looking to, to go anywhere else, but somebody reached out to me who I had previously worked with at Facebook and he, you know, he was considering going to a few companies and one of those being Lyft and everybody, I, I don't even remember which companies now recommended he goes to a different one. They're like, we've never even heard of this company. And, you know, moving from LA to San Francisco, I was so used to having a car and, you know, getting everywhere via car and then, you know, moving to San Francisco where I didn't have a place to park or anything like that. I had to rely on public transit, which was very difficult in San Francisco as it doesn't have a, a really great system like in right. say New York or actually in Paris. Yeah, It was really hard. So as soon as I started seeing these kind of pink mustaches going around town, I was like, what is that? I downloaded the app and it completely changed the way I moved around the city. And actually, when you think of like, you know, age old problems, 
transportation is, you know, definitely high up there, right? And yeah, and it was, and I lived in San Francisco at the time as well, and it was a big problem. And the, the it was a huge problem. It was really hard to get a taxi. The yeah. bus was really slow. You could only go to certain parts that it would connect well, and others it didn't. So yeah, so once I started, once I heard about this thing, I was just obsessed with it. Like mm. I, I would use it way too much. And then when, you know, somebody reached out to me to come to this company or that he was going, I literally did everything to sell him on um, joining Lyft. Yeah. And he ends up, he's like, oh, I'm going to talk to a few VCs and get their take as well. And he ends up calling me a few weeks later. And he's like, hey, they all had everything you said was what they said. And I'm going to go there. And what can I do to make you come with me? Hmm. So I was like, no, but then he was like, come just meet the team as a formality to me. He didn't tell me there was no team. So I just met with the two founders yeah. and um, I was already such, so, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid that I had to do it. So huh. I came on board and uh, eight years later, you know, saw the company grow from, you know, double digit employees to, to around 5,000 by the time I left. So hope, hoping to do the same now with Sorare. Right. Yeah, of course. You know, you're joining this smaller company, tech company again, that, that you want to grow, you know, as you, you spent those years there and coming in so early. And I remember those days, I remember the, the pink mustaches driving around San Francisco and it was certainly eye-catching and then signing up with Lyft and getting those rides the first time. What are some lessons that you learned from that journey to scale? Because, you know, you and I talked about this before we started recording when you're scaling a company from that size to as big as Lyft became 5,000 plus, technology and systems are really important, but it's mostly about the people, right? Hiring the right people, bringing in the right people, putting the systems in place because they are doing the work that's, that's building the business. Absolutely. And I think one of the first things, like we knew too then, right? We were in a very competitive space and we knew that if we couldn't scale the company properly, you know, we were going to, you know, our, our lunch would be eaten. So um, that was definitely the people and recruiting and all of this was probably the number one focus of the company above all else. And I think that was really set with our two co-founders. This was the most important thing to them. And they, you know, spent whatever amount of time on it, which was, I think, I think that's the way it should be, right? Like is, is at the, at, from every level, but definitely starting at the top, you, you have to care about the people and have that um, empathy for how you're building your organization. And it's really important, especially, you know, in those early days when you're so crunched and you really just need people is to, to also be thoughtful about it, right? Like, I think if you build on a house of cards, it will eventually crumble. So it's really important to, I think, be like thoughtful about your growth. And that doesn't mean, you know, don't scale rapidly, but just, just think about how you're doing it. Yeah. So you worked in recruiting and in talent and you're in, at the time, extremely competitive space, right? Where there's lots of tech companies growing, certainly lots of great talent moving to San Francisco for all these jobs with companies like Facebook and Google and Lyft and Uber and all the tech companies in that space, Twitter, everything else. How do you go and find and retain the best talent? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, it's definitely hard, right? Like uh, there's so many options. And I think, you know, definitely was the case at that point, but I would say almost even more so now, right? Like with people with, I think this new form of employment is that 
people have options and the old ways of working and how things are done just won't stand anymore. And um, this, I think when it, what it really comes down to is that relationship with the employer and the employee has completely changed. And that, you know, you do need to like offer things like flexibility, think about your compensation, like our people are working on things that they're passionate about. And I think right now, especially with the pandemic, a lot of this stuff is, is truer than it's ever been. Um, of course, I think San Francisco was always competitive, but now this kind of war for talent, uh, for lack of a better term, is even more present today with just all the options in the market on a, on a really global scale, right? Like take, you know, if you had asked me years ago, if I would leave San Francisco, I probably would have said no, um, just because that's the field I worked in and um, where kind of I thought the center of the universe was. And right. and I'm taking this call from Paris. So right. yeah, let's talk about that. So you're you're in Paris now working for So Rare. It's a very small startup, right? You you came there when there was only, I think what, 15, 20 people and yeah. now over 30. Very so tiny. yeah, that that's a big move, both geographically and career-wise. Mm -hmm. So why did you make that move and take on that leap to be now? you know, head of people at, at so rare. For sure. I mean, I think, you know, I always wanted to see Lyft through, you know, starting so early, see it through the IPO and, and all of this and kind of felt like, you know, after eight years, I had, I had given my, um, given my time. And so when I started to be like, you know, maybe I should think through some other options, I knew definitely that I wanted to be in an industry that was, really at the cutting edge. I felt like I had that in Lyft in, you know, in that it really changed how mobility, how people get around. And I wanted to do the same. And specifically, I would say the blockchain space was super interesting to me and an area where I thought, you know, it gave me the same feeling going you know, that I had when I first discovered Lyft was this thing is going to kind of change everything. Yeah. And so I just, I really went with that feeling. And so I think that was the thing that was so crazy to me was when I saw this company and not only was it, you know, of course the NFT space is really hot, but they created a really simple experience. And I think the key here is they were, they weren't just, you know, for the most part right now, NFTs are, are basically um, stores of value, right? right. Like um, yeah. in terms of utility or what you can do with them, of course, they spark joy. And I think that's utility in and of itself, yeah. but in terms of how you can actually use them, there's not too many use cases thus far. Right. Not a lot of things. A lot of people buy NFTs as art, yeah. uh, intellectual property, IP, right? Store of value, yeah. as you mentioned, but there are some that do create some utility. There are a lot of NFT games coming out now. In fact, yeah. my first foray into NFTs back in April was buying some horses in Zed Run, which is a popular digital horse racing game where you can buy and breed and sell horses and race horses. So this is kind of, would you consider what SoRare is doing in the gaming space? For sure. And so, you know, when you think of traditional gaming, you think of these gaming studios that are constantly, you know, spinning up a game, but gaming is so cyclical. So it's, you spin something up, you take it down, you spin up another thing. And, and this is just kind of how these gaming studios work. And, and, you know, some, some have done this very successfully for many, many years. But what I thought was super, super interesting about Sorer is when you look at the gaming space, the only true true game with like kind of that real longevity that doesn't 
go up and down is fantasy. And the reason for that is it's tied to real world events, right? That continue to garner interest and change and almost, you know, it, you don't need that cyclical nature. And so I thought it was so interesting that, you know, taking this idea of an NFT and marrying it with a fantasy sports game so that it actually had some utility. And from there, I think what we can do with um, utility in the digital world, utility in the real world um, is a really, really interesting space because sports are a real world thing and these yeah, are real players and all of this. So I think the space is super, super interesting. And I think it's definitely one for, to watch for kind of the future of how we're going to uh, handle utility and NFTs. For sure. Marrying technology and sports. Sports, obviously huge. You're focused, I believe, on soccer or football, as it's called in, called in most of the world, yep. which is the largest sport in the world, most popular in yeah. the world. And so huge opportunities there. As you think about the company growing, what is your general like people philosophy to make sure, hey, we get the right people you know, we obviously, again, very competitive marketplace. You mentioned great resignation, all that sort of stuff. War for talent. How do you make sure that you attract and especially retain people as you as you grow? Oh, for sure. To me, I mean, like we can hire a million people and if we can't keep them, then that's a completely pointless exercise. Yeah. The way we're thinking about it is first, we're opening up our office in the US and really want to expand in a big way there. When you think of the sports space, you know, New York is definitely, I would say, the hub of, of many other US based sports. So, definitely an area where we really want to make an investment. But, you know, when you think of soccer, it's truly the most global sport there is. And so, we very, very much think of ourselves as a very global company where we wanna attract talent and we have from kind of all over the globe and make sure that we are, you know, having a really international footprint in our, our offices, how we hire all of this and think about how we're bringing together employees. And I think one of the, the key pieces of, with the great, great resignation is that people have options. And I think another thing that that's also spurred people to is um, moving towards employment where they're passionate about something, right? And I think that's um, what we definitely have seen in both the employees that we've hired thus far and, and kind of a big piece of our strategy going forward is, you know, I think it's, it's to hire great people that are, are passionate about the space and can really then help grow that footprint. There's so many people out there that are passionate about gaming, sports, crypto, all of this. And I think that's an area where we really want to um, make sure we scale. And then also just, you know, I think um, have a lot of empathy for the people we hire and make sure that they're happy and learning and developing and feel empowered, right? Like I think yeah. this idea of ownership is so critical to an NFT and it's actually one of the values of our our company, right? Like you can't, you can't really be a, an, a in the NFT space and, and not have also ownership in your work. Right. So and that's definitely, I think, a, a key piece of how we want to build out our company and, and hopefully then help retain our employees as well. For over three years now, the Talent Development Hot Seat podcast has been proudly sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage Performance Group provides creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. 
Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish, and you to be more successful at your job. The Advantage website has great free resources, including this podcast and an amazing webinar series that include topics such as innovation, future storming, inclusion, sales, leadership, and so much more. To get access to all of our free resources, as well as overviews of the solutions that Advantage offers, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. Yeah, speaking of retaining, you mentioned development there. And I think in my experience talking with a lot of people, you know, besides compensation, which is important, of course, in, in, a, in a competitive market, one of the top things I think people really want is to know that they have an opportunity to develop and grow in their career, wherever they go, right? So how do you think about or go about giving people development opportunities when you work for a pretty small right, tech startup, probably not a lot of resources to dedicate to that, not to mention, I'm sure everybody is extremely busy doing multiple jobs, doing lots of different stuff, but you want people to feel like they are not just getting things done or getting paid, but also making, you know, developing and growing in their careers. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I always think of the the adage of attract, grow, retain, right? Like this is, it's a three-step kind of holistic view of, of the entire people space, right? And making sure that you, you know, through the life cycle of the employee, that there is that good experience. And I think, and actually, you know what, I find, you know, even we're so tiny, we're, we're very strapped for resources, but I actually think it almost makes it easier right now to give those development opportunities because, you know, it's, it's about having conversations with employees and saying, what areas do you want to grow in? And there's right now there's no shortage of, of work. So why don't we take advantage of that and make sure that we're aligning people with work that they feel like is pushing their career. Like, where do you actually want to learn something? And then, Hey, of course we, we have, we have plenty of openings. So let's align you to that. Right. Like I actually think right now is, is a really fungible time because there is, you know, as we're working on defining roles and all of this, like there, there is so much to be done that there actually are a lot of development opportunities that present themselves just from that alone. Yeah, absolutely. And do you make time for, do you create any development programs or make time or give employees access to resources like LinkedIn learning or something else? Like how do you like on a practical level, make sure people are still like learning on a regular basis in addition to the work they're doing? Yeah, I think right now, in terms of like formally going in and building this out, we haven't done it yet. But I think that's the nice thing and, and why I honestly was so excited to come in at a company at, at, you know, 15 people. At 15 people, generally, I mean, they generally don't even hire me. There's so. no HR. There's no people person, right? Yeah. So I think that's the nice thing is like, you know, instead of, and I was hesitant to go to a company this small at first, but then I thought about it and I was like, you know, there's almost nothing to like kind of unpack in the organization. I'm, I'm pretty much starting from a blank slate. So thinking through it's, it's almost kind of refreshing in a way, like things like L and D and all, all these different areas that generally don't get love until a few years down the line. I can think about now and put into our plans as we scale which makes it actually really, really exciting. So th this is exactly what we're doing. We don't have these programs today because I'm still pretty new too, but you know, they're all on the roadmap to make sure that we are thinking about this stuff now versus down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. And something that you're thinking about as the company continues to grow. Now you've been in the tech space for quite some time, Facebook, Lyft, now so rare. Tech 
has traditionally been a male-dominated industry space, right? You look around San Francisco, you go to the bars, you see who's working in tech, right? And it's it's very male heavy, but you know, something that you've done is you've been very successful as a female in tech. And one of the things we talked about briefly before this interview was how women in tech are shattering industry barriers. These things are changing, right? I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about what you're seeing out there and what women can do to continue to, to break these barriers and gain more equality and inclusion in this space. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think even from when I kind of started, I, I feel like a lot of progress has been made. That being said, it's still super behind from where we probably need to be. So the work is not even close to being done, but I've definitely seen a shift in the industry. But I think that's that's the the other piece of just setting this stuff up early, right? Like even when I came into like, you know, fields like sports, for instance, or crypto tend to be so male dominated. And so, you know, even coming into to Serrera, there, you know, I mean, the, the company was 15 people, so it was very, very small, but there weren't many females. So I right. think one of the first things I did was, hey, this is, if, if, if you want to hire me, this is going to be a huge part of our growth strategy is how are we going to get in female leaders, female representation, representation from underrepresented uh, groups in tech. Like this needs to be one of the number one focuses of our recruitment strategy, because this is so much harder to unpack later than it is to build this the right way now. And if that means, I think, you know, slowing down on some roles, which, you know, is, is kind of the, it's such almost a taboo thing to say in a, in a fast growing startup, but that's okay. Right. Like, I think we want to make sure that we are bringing candidates from all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of, um, experiences so that when we do build this company, we have something that reflects our user base, right? And that we don't just go so fast and then end up with a, a, a full team of, of of dudes sitting there. I think one of the funniest yeah. anecdotes I have is at Lyft, we had acquired a company and, and so uh, they had been building out, they actually own most of the bike share in... Um, in different cities, including City Bike, they, they actually owned. But they had been working on an e-bike when we when Lyft had acquired them. And you know, we go to to kind of check out the prototypes. And I get on it. And I by no means am I am I tall, but I'm you know average. I'm five three. I get on it. I literally can't even touch the ground. And it was basically a full team of of guys had that had been developing this product. Right. We didn't think that like, hey, maybe didn't think about women. Can't get on this bike. This is too yeah too tall. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I think it's just such a good kind of funny example of how like you need to have the right people in the room, and you need yeah. to think about your user base and and right. have a team that reflects that, or else you know. I think there's real implications on the, the products yeah. we build if you don't. Yeah, I mean, diversity, equity, inclusion, all this stuff. I mean, there's a real business case for all this as oh, uh, we acquire with our audience in talent development. But, you know, in the space you're in, especially, as you mentioned, tech, male heavy, NFT space, very male heavy right now, sports, right? You know, you're going to attract more male fans and females, but there are a lot of female sports fans, soccer fans out there. And if you want to attract more 
women as customers, users, right, participating in the space, you're going to need women who work in the business who can understand what they want, right, and create products and services that are attractive to them. Of course. And that's why I think we, you know, this is literally, this is like part of my interview process that like, you know, even before I would even go to a company that like, these were the commitments we were going to make and that we were going to be serious about this. And this was, you know, not something that, you know, we just say to say like, this was going to be a real company value. And that like something that we would stand behind and, and make the tough, you know, to me, like a value is something that like, shouldn't be easy, right? Like a value is something that like, makes you make some tough calls. And I think that's where, you know, I wasn't going to go to a company unless they kind of were willing to live those values. And I'm, I'm very happy that um, not only did they say they, that uh, Sorare said that they would absolutely live those values, but yeah. in our decision-making that I've seen thus far, we're very much living it. As we wrap things up, we've been talking about breaking barriers in tech. I know we have a great population of women who listen to this show, many who work in the tech space in HR, learning and development, talent development, that area. What advice do you have for women who are looking to grow their careers in the tech space and really be seen more as business partners, get more of a seat at the table, that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, I think um, it's funny because I feel like, uh, I feel like when I, especially when I first started at Lyft, you know, so much of what I had done before coming from Facebook, it's a well-oiled machine. I hadn't really mm -hmm. experienced almost anything I had I did at Lyft at Facebook at all because it was just so structured and, and um, developed. And I think the thing that was, you know, probably the most helpful for me was to, to just be confident and like, you know, you are, you know, don't ever doubt that you're, you're not the smartest person in the room or that you don't have the answers. Cause I can guarantee you that nobody else does either. Right. It's just a matter of kind of going in there and then look to other women for support. I think that was something that was super helpful for me at Lyft was that there was a group of women that was there to help. And like, yes, things were very crazy in the early days as you're scaling up, but it was really nice to have that support system. And I think that's something I always try to do as well in, in other places is to, to for myself also offer that support. And so I think it's, a, to just be confident and kind of come in and, and know that um, nobody else has this figured out either. Right. And then just be as supportive as you can, right? Like, and make sure that any way you can help, you're, you're willing to. Yeah, absolutely. Whether you're a woman or a man or anybody else, if you've been hired for a job, you're there for a reason. Yeah, so exactly. You might as well have confidence and, and jump in and, and provide value. But it's, it's sometimes hard, right? Like sometimes it's a you can go in and it's intimidating or whatever. And, and so sometimes you just kind of have to give yourself that little mental pep talk. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much, so many great thoughts here. Kiana, I appreciate you coming on to share. We're going to do a bonus session with you to dig in a little bit more on your career. But for now, for those who are listening who maybe want to get in touch with you or find out more about So Rare, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah. So just so, so rare.com is our website. I encourage everyone to check it out. Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram. I think um, that's the best way to check out the product and see what we're up to. And, and um, quick plug that we are aggressively expanding both in the, the U.S. and abroad. So there's a very good chance that there's a role that 
is exciting or fits. So also check out our careers page. Cool. There you go. If you're interested in jumping into the, the NFT blockchain space, a good friend of mine just uh, completely changed careers to jump into the NFT space, uh, and blockchain, crypto world. And he's so excited about it. And I'm excited for him because there's so many great opportunities there. And I'm excited for all that you get to create there as head of people at this growing tech company in this emerging space. And so I'm looking forward to keeping in touch and seeing everything that happens with your career. So thanks again for coming on the show, Kiana. Of course, of course. It's been a pleasure. All right. Take care. All right. That will do it for my interview with Kiana Devari, who is the head of people for So Rare, a new tech startup in the emerging NFT blockchain gaming space. And I hope you found that interview interesting, informative, maybe even inspiring. Love to hear what you think. Reach out. Let me know. One of my takeaways is that no matter what industry you're in, no matter what space you're in, when you are growing quickly, you've got to be thinking about the people at all times. What people are you bringing in? What opportunities are you giving them to be part of brand and the and the company and the growth journey? And are you helping them become passionate about the space so that they're excited to be there? They're excited about the strategy. They're excited about what's going on and they want to really stay there and pitch in and help the company grow. That's what creating a great growth culture is all about, right? And we heard some of that from Kiana. All right, that's going to do it for our interview today. I want to remind you that our podcast is sponsored by the Talent Development Think Tank membership community. This is the community that I started a year and a half ago after we got into lockdown, and I realized there weren't going to be any more conferences for a while, and people in talent development needed a way and a place to get together on a regular basis to continue to learn from each other as well as from speakers and experts, and so I created the Talent Development Think Tank. It was an offshoot of the conference that we ran back in January of 2020. I was very fortunate to have a strong network of friends and followers who jumped in as founding members. Many of them are still in the community today. We have over 100 members now who are engaging with each other on a regular basis. We have a live call every Wednesday where we bring in guest speakers, as well as having open forum calls to discuss uh, some of the hottest topics in talent development. We also have a private Slack channel where we talk with each other. People can post questions and thoughts and challenges and help each other out as well as share resources. And we record all of our sessions and make them available inside our member vault and on our private members only podcast. Just tons of value in this community. And if you work in talent development, learning and development, and you have been thinking, I'd really like to grow my network. I'd like to connect with others in this space or find out what's going on in talent development, not just attending webinars, but really be able to talk to other people about what they're doing. That is what our community is all about. It is all about community. So if you haven't yet joined our community, come check us out. The website is tdtt.us as in Talent Development Think Tank. That's tdtt.us. All the information is there and we'd love to see you. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. You can even book time with me right on the website as I like to get to know all of our new members before they join and I can help you see if it's going to be a fit or not. Podcast is also sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is a professional services firm dedicated to providing a continuous stream of creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage does that via a suite of experiential learning programs that can be done both in person or virtually. And I am an Advantage alumni, was a partner there for a couple of years, offering many of these solutions, including the multiplier simulation based on the famous book by Liz Weissman. 
and it's one of my favorites to run with clients and to facilitate. That is available to you if you want to help your leaders become better multipliers. You can find out more information by going to advantageperformance.com. And I'm excited to announce that we will have Liz Weisman coming back on our show soon to talk about her new book. So stay tuned for that. Thank you again for listening. Stay tuned. In a couple days, I'll be releasing my bonus Q&A with Kiana, all about her career in talent and people development. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.